Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. What I felt like we needed to do today is kind of talk about a similar topic. Aaron just came to me just a minute ago, and he had a, he had a word the Lord's been giving him all week. And then again, just reminded him this morning of God's desire to restore your ability to, to understand the intimacy that he has made available to you on the cross. And that he wants that intimate relationship, that secret place relationship with each one of us. Do you think God is, is the issue when we don't have a great intimate relationship? Or do you think it might be us? I think it might be us. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that I'm going to build on here. First of all, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, what is the reward given for? Diligent seeking. Diligent seeking. Who dil diligently, yeah, I said it three times quick. Who diligently seeks the Lord. Who does that? Those who pursue him, who prioritize him. It, diligently seeking is not coming to church on Wednesday and Sunday, even though that is a part of diligently seeking. Worship, we discussed over the week, is not something that we do. We just didn't worship. We just didn't sing songs to worship. We were singing songs of truth to God about who he is and about who we are in him. And that's the beginning place of what worship really is, which is a dedication of your life unto the Lord. And that is your spiritual act of worship. That is your and my spiritual act of worship. And God says, to, you know, if you, if you haven't heard Wednesday night's message from Brandon Sharp, you need to go to the website. I noticed that hadn't many people seen it. You need to watch it. It's a, an important message that God had for the church. I had him speak on a moment's notice just because of the message, because we need to hear it. But basically, it's when people say they think they're all right with God, and they really have no idea their condition. And they say, me and God, we're good. And the truth of the matter is, they and God really aren't good. And the message deals with that with the rich young ruler. In Revelation chapter 12 verse 11, it tells us how important our testimony is when it says that we as believers overcame evil and every evil thing by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we were even willing to die for that testimony. There's power in your testimony, and that's kind of what I want to get at today, how important your testimony is. And so to get that, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. Now, I can't read it all. I guess I could. 
<clears throat> but second service wouldn't start. It's the story of David. David's one of my favorite characters because he, he's, he's a lot like a lot of us. He loved the Lord with all his heart and he messed up a lot along the way. And God forgave him. Do you know God said about David that David was a man after his heart after he committed adultery with Bathsheba? It wouldn't proclaim that until after the adulterous affair, after the murder, the premeditated murder of Uriah. Isn't that interesting? David was quick to repent. All the prophet had to do to David was say, you're the guy. Here's the story. You're the guy. And David's heart for God made his eyes and ears open, and he said, I am the guy. He had the ability to soberly judge his own condition. Why was that? Because he had a heart toward God. See, your heart is everything. In this story with David, uh, let me just go over it real quickly with you. I kind of tell the story. How many are familiar with David being anointed king? How many are familiar with that story? If you're not familiar with it, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and read it. It is absolutely powerful. So what's going on in the culture is Saul is king of Israel, right? He's king of Israel, and he starts doing things his own way. He starts doing things the way he thinks they ought to be done, what was right in his own eyes. Then he started seeking other religious leaders outside of Yahweh, outside of God, and it got to the point where he was fearing man more than God, and his heart got way away from God, and God says, enough with Saul. He says, I'm going to go, go anoint the king that's going to have a heart for me. And so he tells Samuel to go anoint the king. Well, Samuel says, God, now this, this is so important because this is kind of how our prayers ought to go with God. Samuel, who's the prophet of God, says to God, you kidding me? You want me to go do what? I want you to go anoint David king. Well, God... If I go do that, Saul will kill me. This is prayer. This is in prayer. And so, and, and so God says this. Use your head, Samuel. Just go do a sacrifice down there in Bethlehem and invite Jesse and all his boys. Just call a worship service and invite them. Duh! So Samuel goes, good idea, God. I'll do that. That's very important, though, because Samuel thinks that he's going to die, or that's his mindset. Immediately, he moves him to fear. I bet you guys don't do that when God asks you to do something that's outside your comfort zone. You probably don't immediately move into fear. Or if you do, you're really quick to get out of that fear. Well, you see that even in the prophet Samuel. And so he goes... And he, he anoints David. Now, what happens when he shows up is, is that Jesse has eight sons. And God says to Samuel, he says, listen, when the king, when the one that I've chosen, I'll let you know. That's something else you really need to know. When God sends you on a mission, you have the ability to hear God. So Samuel goes on this mission, and he walks in, and he sees the oldest son, and he goes, that's him. Yes, sir. Oh, he's tall. He's handsome. Kind of looks like Pastor Alex. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. 
Just see if you're awake. <laughs> oh, that was bad. That wasn't in my notes, I promise. Anyway. <laughs> Don't recall that. Okay. <laughs> so he says, this has got to be the guy. And listen. And the Lord says to Samuel, oh, no. That's not him. Man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. You see, there's a couple things that God revealed to these kids, Brock. He said, he said to these kids, he says, listen, you can't fake it with me. You know, God the Father never looks at Jesus and says, you know, I never saw this one coming. I never thought Aunt Sue or Uncle Bill would ever commit to, 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 to us as, as children. I never saw that coming. You think God is ever surprised when somebody comes to him? Or do you think he might have known before the foundation of the world what their heart was going to be and they were eventually going to come to him? Right? You can't fake God out with your heart. You can't act like a Christian and fake God out. You can't do it. Everybody knows fakes. The world is desperate for authentic Christianity. People who truly love God and follow Him and are a witness to Him because of the transformation that's happening in their life. And that's called a testimony. How do they overcome? Because of the blood of the Lamb and because the power of God working in their lives, making them something that they couldn't be without God, so that other people could see that there's a transformation process, and that's called being a witness to the power of God. Yes. And it's a testimony. It's our testimony. So you can't fake God out playing Christian. Because he doesn't look at your outward appearance, even what you're doing necessarily, as much as he looks at your heart. And you can't hide your heart. Saul couldn't hide his heart. And the Spirit of God left Saul, which allowed evil spirits to torment him. There's another thing that you can't think, and you can't hide. You can't hide your heart's desire to really follow Jesus. You can't hide that. I see so many people. Y'all really need to hear me because there's a lot of this in the church. I don't know about our church. I'm sure there is, but I know I see it in the church everywhere. People who really have a heart to follow God, but their pride but their pride in their flesh override their desire so they never ever reach their destiny in Jesus. They never ever fulfill what the potential was in Christ even though they have a heart to be changed. Oh, their heart is crying out, I know I need God! I know I need you, Lord! And the pride says, but what will people think? But I really like this. And God, I know you're going to require me to give up this. And so, and so I, 
I'm, I know I'm addicted. I know what my background is. I know, I know, I know. And so my heart loses. God knows your heart. That's the one he pursues. That's the one he goes after. That's the one he calls. That's the, that's the 99, the one who has a heart really for him that he's trying to desperately try to get the heart to win out. There's a lot of Christians like that. See it all the time. Come to church week after week after week because their heart really has a desire for God. They're just not do, willing to lay down their life for him. So anyhow, Saul, Samuel, excuse me, Samuel is coming, sees the guy. God says, uh-uh, I know his heart. That's not a good heart. And so he goes through the brothers, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. No, 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 no. You don't have any other kids? Yeah, I got the, I got the little rut out there in the field watching the sheep. But he's, he's only 13 or 14 years old. Well, bring him in here. Go get him. And they go get David. And David comes in and the Lord says, that's the one. And Samuel takes the oil, pours it over David's head, and anoints him king of Israel. Now he did this at 13 or 14. Is David king? No. He's not king for a lot of years. But do you think that the testimony of the prophet comes to David, the outpouring of the oil on his head, impacted and influenced David whatsoever about his future? He had an encounter with God. It says about David, from that moment on, the Holy Spirit came upon David. So immediately he has this encounter with God. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and he remembers this day for the rest of his life. It's the beginning of an incredible testimony. It's the different, it's, it's not actually the beginning, it is the, it is the start of his realization of the destiny that God has for him. Now this is what I want to say to you. You didn't get saved not to have a destiny in Christ. You have, you have a mission designed for you specifically by God. There's an anointing that he wants to pour out on your life, and it has everything to do with your heart condition. Your heart condition and your authentic desire to di diligently pursue God makes all the difference in the world of whether you're going to be able to achieve your destiny or not. But here's the, here's, the, here's the twist in the story. David's not king for over 10 more years. So he's got this testimony. So let me keep on going with the story. So David then becomes this young runner. His brothers, his three oldest, go off to war. They're part of the army of Israel. And they're, they're camped not far from Bethlehem. And they're uh, battling the Philistines, which is the strongest army on the planet. They're battling the Philistines. There's a big valley in between them. On one mountain, there's the army of the Philistines. On another mountain, is the army of Israel. 
They're there. They're eye to eye. And David is running cheese back and forth to the king or the, the commander of his brothers so that, that he'll get in good with the, them and take care of the, so, so that the father, uh, the family of Jesse gets taken care of. In other words, he's paying off the admiral or the general or whoever's in charge. He's bringing him cheese and crackers. <laughs> and this is, you know, he'll look after, make sure he looks after. So he's sending David, David back and forth. Well, because he had been anointed king and the spirit of God had come off of Saul, Saul has this evil spirit come upon him. And, and he's in torment. And, and, and Saul says, we need to have somebody come in and play for Saul to, to ease his pain because he's been tormented. And somebody says, well, I know this kid, the shepherd kid. He's out there in the field. He can play a guitar really well, whatever it was. I think it was a four-stringed instrument called a lyre, isn't that it? Isn't that, isn't that it? So anyhow, he's playing the mandolin <laughs> in the field singing to the sheep, and he must have been able to do it well because he had a reputation. He didn't have nothing else to do either. And so they say, go get David. So David comes in, plays the music before Saul, and the, and the evil spirit leaves him, it says when David is worshiping. That's another thing I think you see in church a lot. We come in and, and the evil spirits leave us for time in worship on Sundays and then when we leave here they come back and we're tormented because our heart isn't diligently pursuing God. So if you feel like, man, I wish I could just stay in church forever, just stay right here. God says, you can have this all the time. My presence never leaves you. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Worship me with your life and I'll never leave you. So one day, David's coming to the camp and he's bringing wine and cheese. To the, or just cheese and crackers, I guess. To the, uh, wine and cheese. Yeah. That was, that's probably what they said. That's good cheese and crackers. But what am I going to do? You got milk? <laughs> you got some milk? <laughs> so he, he's bringing this stuff back and forth. And he brings it one day, and he shows up, and the Philistines are on one mountain, and the Israel's on the other, and there's this dude that's 10 foot tall. I think he's 9'8", I think is the, the thing in the Bible, and his armor weighs this ridiculous amount of weight. And he's out there, and he's talking trash. There's trash talking all through the Bible, but he's talking trash against Israel and their God. And David shows up and goes, what in the heck is that? And why are you boys letting that go on? Well, his older brother hears him say that and gets mad. You guys don't have family dynamics, I'm sure. <laughs> he gets mad and he says, why don't you just shut your mouth? I knew if you came out here and you saw this, 
that you are going to have some kind of answer for what we ought to be doing. Do you think there might have been just a little bit of sibling rivalry once he got passed over and the anointing went on the little kid? And from that moment on, the Holy Spirit was upon David and he walked in wisdom, prophesying everything that came out of his mouth had God on it. And his brothers who were prideful and resistant and jealous had this immediate response to the brother that David had to tolerate and didn't allow to change his mindset. That's what I want you to see. Even though his brother had this attitude toward him, it never changed his mindset about what he needed to do for God. That's a word right there. And so David says... I'll fight him. And they said, what? And David said, I'll fight him. Somebody runs back and tells Saul, there's this kid out here who said he'd fight Goliath. And Saul says, well, bring him in here. And so he brings David. So let's pick up in 17... 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he, Saul, sent for David. And then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of this Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said, he didn't call him giant, he called him a Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You're just a kid. You're just a youth. You're 14 years old, and God's already called him ready, a small little red-headed, blue-eyed, gorgeous little hunk. <laughs> Says he's pretty. You're a pretty boy that's 14 and small of stature? You gonna go fight this 10 foot giant? He says, you're just a youth. And Goliath, that big old rascal, he's been a man of war from his youth. From the time that he was your age, he's been training to kill you. And he's 10 feet. His armor weighs more than you. Here, take my armor. Take. Take my anointing. Take what's on me. And David says, I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't do it the way you would do it. <laughs> David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after it. What did he go after? A lion and a bear. Let's say that. A lion and a bear. Let's say it loud. A lion and a bear. Anybody in the room, in their right mind, would you go after a lion and a bear with a slingshot? I saw a thing on the uh, History Channel or Hunting Channel or 
Yeah, they're, they're similar. And uh, <laughs> it was guys hunting grizzly bear in Alaska with a bow and arrow. And they stood behind this. They had a seal on the beach, and they were standing behind this deal. And the guy had a bow and arrow, and the guy beside him had a, a, a rifle that looked like it could, if it shot this building, the whole building would collapse. It was so big. And he's the guide, and, and the grizzly bear, they shoot the grizzly bear. Well, what happens is two grizzly bears came out at the same time. And they were like, oh, no, this ain't good. And they're like from here to the wall from a grizzly bear with a bow. Well, the guy shoots the grizzly bear with the bow, and as soon as he pulls the trigger, the other boy stands up and puts the gun on the other grizzly because they're scared to death. You can see the fear in their eyes. David says, I keep the sheep all the time. And when a lion or a bear, they come in and they take a lamb out of the flock, I go after them, and I strike them. And I delivered the lamb from the, from the lion in the bear's mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and I struck it and I killed it. Your, your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine, which means this man who's not in covenant with God. That's what that means. That's all that means. This man who's not in covenant with God. will be like one of those bears or lions, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Let me ask you something. If David didn't have the testimony of killing the bear and the lion, what would Goliath have looked like? Your testimony builds your faith. When you begin to see and deliver your life unto God, when you diligently pursue God and you see the works of God begin to operate in your life, God says build memorials, build places where you remember them in your heart. It'll build your faith. But let me just tell you something. Your testimony is not for today. David is about to slay Goliath in the power of the Holy Spirit. But his testimony that day was not there for that moment. It was there to build his faith so that 10 years later, he could be the king of Israel. God has a testimony in your life. He wants to increase your testimony. You should go from testimony to testimony, faith to faith, glory to glory, building your faith, building your confidence in God so that you can be trusted with the mission that he has for you. So that when you walk into something that's much bigger than you, which might be a family member, which might be a wife, a husband, an addict, it might be finances, it might be your workplace, I don't know what seems like Goliath to you, but if you'll remember what God has done, and if you'll diligent, pr diligently pursue him and allow him to show you his bigness, when you face something in life that's bigger than you, you understand that the grace of God is enough for you. It's enough. God can handle this. With God, nothing is impossible. It's when we try to embark on the victory not knowing that the anointing of God is on our life. 
Your testimony tells you God is with you. And the only way that you can have a testimony is diligently pursuing God. You say, well, Pastor Alex, I don't have much of a testimony. I mean, I gave my life to Christ. I believe that He is who He says He is. That's good. I'm glad you did. I hope you did. But you need more of a testimony than that. There's a God and He's alive. He's not a far off God watching us from a distance. He's a God who wants to get up close and personal with you. He's a God who wants to show His power to you. Paul says to the church, I didn't come with persuasive words. I came in the power of God. There's a power of God that wants to be instilled and overcome you so that you can have victory after victory after victory, which is a testimony which builds your faith, which builds your confidence and your ability to follow God and hear the Lord and do what He says, even when it might cost you your life, like Saul, and then watch the hand of God move. God is looking for a church who will diligently pursue Him. Wednesday night is not just another meeting. We meet and it's powerful. We almost fill this place up. It's similar to a crowd like this, not much different. But it is a time where we can hear the Word of God, be renewed, worship Him, be reminded of who He is and who we are. Re be re-strengthened, rejuvenated, so that we can walk in faith. We're not just here doing life, and one day we're going to die. We're here to move hell back. The things that come against God... The Philistines, the one that aren't in covenant with God, the angelic hosts who aren't in agreement with God, that's one-third, not two-thirds. Two-thirds in agreement, one-third is not. And then you've got those who God already knows what the heart is, they're never coming to Him. There are people that you know and love that aren't going to come to Jesus. And God already knows who they are. You don't. The ones you think aren't going to come, they're the ones that's going to come. The ones you think, wow, they're, they've got a chance. God knows their heart, you don't. You don't change what you're doing. You just need to know that everybody's not coming to Jesus. Well, what do you do? Well, you fight hellish forces like your life depended on it, like their life depended on it. And you, you listen to God, and you do exactly what Samuel did. And you obey what he says. And you offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Your testimony is incredibly important to your future. Yes? So write down your testimony. What has God done in your life? Let me ask you, what has he done so far? I mean, what really big moments have you seen God move powerfully? Have you seen people come to God that you never thought would? Have you, have you heard testimonies like the girl who testified last week who didn't have any hair, who had a disease that is incurable? There's no drug. There's no thing that could make her grow hair.
People with her condition, they don't grow hair, ever. And move from a place of shame because of her baldness to a place of faith and belief. And then for two years, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, she gets filled with the Holy Spirit and her hair starts growing back. Amen. Or starts, yeah, starts growing back. Immediately. Can you ever tell this girl that God doesn't do things like that this day and age? You could never take away her testimony. You could never out undermine her faith. Why? Because it's hers. You can't do nothing with it. Your, 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 your unbelief can't take away her belief. Why? Because of your, her testimony. Same is true for you. So I pray, I pray my prayer this morning is that you would examine your heart. It's not just about coming up front some Sunday or someday and make it a profession of faith. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says, invite Jesus into your heart. What it says is, take up the cross, your instrument of death, and follow him. Do what he says do. Be what he is. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be what you used to be. Offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And so my question is, do you have an authentic faith? Is your heart devoted to God? Or are you in danger of the same thing happening to Saul happening to you? There's a God who from the time that you were in your mother's womb dances over you. He sings songs over you. He has a desire to prosper you and not to harm you. He has a future for you. He has a destiny for you. He has a purpose for you and it's good. It's great. He wants to pour it out on you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants you to operate in spiritual gifts that are out of this world. He wants you to lay hands on the sick and they recover. He wants you to cast out demons. He wants you to lead people to Jesus. Supernaturally. Because of your life and your testimony. Do you have that kind of testimony? And are you telling people about it? Do you have an authentic Christianity? Or are you just going through the motions? It's a heavy challenge. It's just truth. Are you open to the destiny of God? Are you open to putting away your pride and your, your I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it mentality? And say, Lord, whatever you say, I'm willing to do. My life is yours, it's not mine. To live is Christ, to die, I see Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. 
he's challenging all of us as he takes us into the future to make sure that we have a powerful testimony. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.